For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God has not determined to the world to condemn the world, so that the world of Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Welcome back to the second, well, technically first episode of Faith and Warfare podcast. I'm super, super excited for this episode. I just want to say that I am not an expert. I don't claim to be. I don't claim to know everything. I am just another Jesus-loving freak out here that wants to share the gospel as much as anyone else. I am still learning, I am still growing, and if you do not agree with something that I say, please look into the Bible yourself and then come to me and let me know where the mistake was that I made or if I should have said something different or if I'm wrong about something, I would like for you to let me know. I want to start in the Garden of Eden. We all know the story. Eden was God's intention for us to be with him and in constant communion with him. That's how it was until sin entered the world, through Eve sinning at the first temptation given by the tempter, the devil. In Genesis 3, 1-4, through 4, the devil plays mind games with Eve. He says, hmm, is that really what God says? Are you sure he said that you would die? Surely you won't die. But that's exactly what happened. God is not a liar. He said, do not eat. From the forbidden tree, it leads to death. The devil came in and did what he is still doing today, lying, tempting, confusing people. Eve started questioning God's truth and fell for the trap and brought sin into the world. Sin being brought into the world brought death into the world. One thing we must keep in mind is that God is a holy God. He is not human. He is perfect a perfect judge. He is just, holy, flawless, perfect, righteous, and all-powerful. Sin had separated us from God. In our now fallen state, we cannot stand in God's full presence and be in fellowship with him how he intended it to be. In a minute, we're going to get into God's plan of redemption for all humanity. Um, He could have just wiped us out and started completely over when we fell in the garden, but he didn't. He instantly puts his plan into action of bringing us a savior. Speaking to the devil in Genesis 3.15, God says, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Hmm, who do you think he is in this verse? Please stay to the end of this episode because it gets deep and I hope God speaks to you today. Also, you don't want to miss my recommended song that will be at the end of the podcast each episode. Let's jump to Exodus 19, 16 through 20, where God comes to dwell on Mount Sinai when Moses is leading the people out of Egypt. God appears to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. The Israelites were at the bottom of the mountain. It was only Moses at the top with God because, again, we cannot be in the presence of God in our fallen, sinful state. The Israelites could go to Mount Sinai, but not at the top where God was dwelling. They had to stay at the bottom. God had chosen Moses and spoke to him, giving him the Ten Commandments. 
and Moses revealing what God had said to him to the Israelites. Can you imagine being Moses and having to go up and down that mountain? <laughs> That's just a side thought. Now the Israelites, they had already agreed with what God had spoken in the law. And this is what stuck in my mind, and this is something that I've struggled with, and it took me a minute to come to the realization. Um, it's just something I didn't understand, but we're going to dive into today is that God would require a perfect blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. What? Blood? Why? That sounds messy and disturbing, but we'll get into that. And it's important to understand the background, so please just stick with me as I go through this and we will get to the good stuff. So Moses would sacrifice a bull at the bottom of the mountain and sprinkle the blood onto the Israelites to cover their sin so that they may be seen right before God. The blood of the sacrifice covered their sins and made them right with God for a short time. But Moses went back to the top of Mount Sinai while the Israelites stayed at the bottom again. I believe Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. I, again, I'm not perfect. I'm, I don't know if those are the exact days, but I think he was up at the top of Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he finally comes back down from the mountain after 40 days, what were the Israelites doing? They were worshiping a golden calf as their god, of course. They built their god with their own hands. They were saying, this god we made is the god that brought us out of Egypt. They built an altar to the golden calf and said, yes, tomorrow we start the festivities and bring offerings to our new god. And it had only been a short time. And they already turned away from the true god. Moses was ticked and understandably destroyed the calf by fire. But here it really shows the character of Moses in that after he destroyed the golden calf and smashed stuff around, he told the Israelites to turn back, rededicate themselves to the living God that actually pulled them out of Egypt, and that he would go back to the top of Mount Sinai and ask for atonement for their sin. Their sin as being idolatry, worshiping a fake cow. Exodus 32:30, it says, the next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, making a false god. But now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. In this verse, it's important to understand what atonement means. Atonement means satisfying someone after an offense was committed against them. So, Moses is saying, Let me see if I can ask God for forgiveness on your behalf after this big sin you just committed. And God was obviously not happy with the Israelites for worshiping a fake golden calf over him in just a quick time. But after talking with Moses, God says, because of my promise to Abraham, continue with the Israelites to the promised land, but I ain't going because y'all be disrespecting me with a fake calf. And God tells Moses, I'll send an angel to go before you and the Israelites, but I'm not going. Because if God dwells with them, they will die. He is that holy and they are that sinful. But don't look too bad on the Israelites because we are the same way. But like I mentioned before, sin is the whole reason we're separated from God. He can't dwell with sin. So after all this, God still does not give up on his people. Let's go to Exodus 25, 10 through 22 where God instructs Moses and the people to build an ark for him called the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle. 
And that's where they keep the tablets with the Ten Commandments, and so that he can come and dwell with them. Are you getting a picture here yet? God has always wanted a relationship and communion with his people, even after the whole calf thing. So in Exodus 25, they build the tabernacle and Ark of the Covenant exactly as God told them. To paint a picture of the tabernacle here, imagine a large rectangular gate. And as you walk into the gate, you would be standing in the outer courtyard. And just ahead, you would see a rectangular shaped tent. And as you walk in the entrance of the tent, you are standing in the holy place. And straight ahead, you see a curtain. Behind that curtain is the most holy place. The most holy place is behind the curtain. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat of God is, where he would come and hover over the Mercy Seat so he could dwell with his people. This is also where the tablets with the Ten Commandments on them was kept that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai. But remember how I said we cannot be in God's full presence because he is so righteous and so holy. So this is what they had to do. So God dwelled on the Mercy Seat inside the most holy place inside the tabernacle. God told Moses to get Aaron, his brother, and Aaron's sons to serve God as his high priest. God gave them specific instructions on how to consecrate them, ordain them, giving them honor and wisdom and dignity. And God had them make specific robes for the high priest to wear so when the priest entered the holy place, they wouldn't die by his glory. Now, they couldn't enter the most holy place except for once a year, but we'll get into that. So they could step into the holy place, but only the high priest. And it was so holy, anyone that entered would die. God is that holy and that just, and we can't even fathom in his presence in our sinful nature. So what people did for forgiveness was they would bring their offerings or sacrifices willingly, with the right intentions in their heart, asking for forgiveness to the high priest. And then the high priest would enter the holy place and make sacrifices and ask God for forgiveness on behalf of the people. They would lay their hands on goats or lambs or whatever they had brought to sacrifice. The high priest would take them, lay hands on them, and they would transfer the person's sin onto the goat. These offerings had to be spotless and perfect. They couldn't come offer their weakest goat when asking for forgiveness from God. If you had a runt animal or one born without a leg, uh, you could not put it aside and say, oh, I'll, I'll just take that weak one for my offering this year. They willingly had to bring the spotless lamb. So ordinary people could not go into the holy place, they would die in the presence of God because he is that just and holy. Each year when they wanted to make their offerings for forgiveness, they would take a spotless, perfect sacrifice to the high priest. They say, here is my sin, here is my offering and sacrifice. There were so many sacrifices in the tabernacle. So many sacrifices. The reason there are so many is because it didn't last. It didn't cover their sins indefinitely. They would have to come back year after year after year. And animal sacrifices were only for a short time. For the people in the Old Testament, 
they knew that God would be sending them a savior. So after the high priest sacrificed these animals on behalf of the people, the people would then be covered by the blood of their sacrifice to cover their sins. And one thing that always got me is why? Why did God require a blood sacrifice? To me, and this might just be our carnal brain, but it just sounds so brutal and messy and honestly kind of disturbing. But here's the thing. Listen to this. This explained things to me and I will explain them to you. Let's read Leviticus 17.11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. I'm going to read that again. Leviticus 17.11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So there's a few points to make about this. As I said earlier, atonement means satisfying someone after making an offense to them. We just read God say he has given life in the blood to make atonement for our sins. Life of the flesh is in the blood. What separates us from God? Sin. And sin leads to what? Death. And again, life is in the what? The blood. It's the life in the blood of the sacrifice that covers our sin, which is death. Mind blown. God didn't want us sacrificing animals forever and to only be able to come to him through a human priest. But that was the only way that he could do it because he was going to send Jesus, but he had to send him at the right time. So he said, okay, sacrifice these animals each year so that we can still be in communion together, so that we can still have relationship and your sins can still be forgiven because without life, it's dead. It's just crazy. Okay, so this is on to say that whatever the Israelites brought him as an offering, whatever the sacrifice is, they could not give anything good enough for God. It was impossible. They had to keep coming back. And God knew that, but he didn't want to wait until he could send Jesus. He wanted to be in fellowship with us. And so he said, okay, each year, just sacrifice these animals and their blood will cover your sin. Their life will cover your death. Does that blow anyone else's mind? As we look back at the tabernacle, we can see as a foreshadowing of Jesus. Let's read Hebrews 8, 1 through 4. So Hebrews, if anyone doesn't know, Hebrews is in the New Testament. It was written after Jesus had already come, died on the cross, and rose again. Talking about Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Okay, did anybody else catch that? Jesus is our high priest. The word tabernacle can mean, in some translations, dwell. So where did God dwell in the Old Testament? The mercy seat. 
How are people's sins forgiven in the Old Testament? Blood, living, sacrifice, brought to the priest who interceded on the people's behalf for forgiveness of their sin. Okay, it's getting good now. Where did God dwell on earth? In Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He was with God in the beginning. He was God's tabernacle. He was the embodiment of God. He lived a sinless life and was overqualified to be our high priest. We just read Hebrews 8, 1 through 4, where we're told we now have a high priest at the right of the majesty in heaven. Romans 8, 34, Paul writes, It is Christ Jesus that died, but rather that was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Are you kidding me? Jesus is our high priest, making intercession for us always. He's praying for us so that we may be forgiven. Okay, I get so excited. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. I'll read Hebrews 10, 19-22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Wow! Remember in the tent there was the holy place? A curtain separated that from the most holy place? Jesus tore the curtain down and being the perfect sacrifice for all our sin so we may be clean and washed before God. He is forever our high priest who sacrificed himself. No one gets to the Father except through him. Jesus entered the most holy place and sacrificed himself for all humanity's sin forever. Let that just sink in for a minute. He tore the curtain between us and the holy seat of God. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that whoever comes to God in Jesus Christ will be covered by the blood that gives life and washes us clean in the sight of the most holy and high God. We are not slaves to sin, which leads to death, as we learned in Genesis with Eve. But because of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we have life and life eternal with God who loves us. There can never be a better sacrifice to give to God but God sacrificing himself to give us life. Because of Jesus, we can go directly to the most holy place. Is anybody else's brain exploding about how awesome Jesus is? I don't know about you guys, but this just leaves me in utter astonishment for the love God has for us. That he would come down to a low place, become one of us, enter in the holy place as our high priest, then sacrifice himself so that we may have life through him. Come on, that should make you want to fall and worship God wherever you're at. Okay, whew. so where does God dwell now? In believers. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We are his tabernacle if, if we accept the covering of our sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. If we accept him into our hearts and believe what he did for us, this is the importance of the cross. Man, I love Jesus so much. He has completely changed my life, and he can do it for you. Let him sanctify you and lead you. If you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, if you're still a slave to sin, which is death, 
if you are not covered in the blood of Jesus, which gives you life and life eternal, I pray that you would humble yourself before God today. Here's the thing. God is a just God. If there's no blood, that is life. If there's no blood to cover your sin, which is death, on judgment day, which we will all face someday, what will God see when he looks at you? How can we enter heaven? How can we enter the most holy place if we aren't clean by the only worthy sacrifice? If you don't enter through the only door? Now, I'm not a huge fan of the sinner's prayer because you're not saved by saying a prayer. You're saved through faith by grace. In that, you have a change of heart, a repentance. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him to reveal himself to you and he will. Ask him to change you be spiritually born again. If you have questions or you need prayer, email me, faithandwarfare at gmail.com. If you feel led, I will love if you give me a follow. That way you stay updated on when new episodes come out. And please share this podcast with your friends. Follow my Instagram, faithandwarfare. If you would like to share your testimony or just a time when God intervened in your life, email me faithandwarfare at gmail.com. Okay, at the end of each episode, I am going to give a recommended song. Sometimes they'll go along with the theme of what the episode was, and sometimes they, they might not, but this one definitely does. My suggested worship song is Thank You Jesus for the Blood by Charity Gale. It is a beautiful song. Check it out and let me know what you think. Before we go out today, let me say a prayer for everyone that's listening. Thank you, Father, for everyone listening to this podcast right now. I pray you would speak to their heart and their minds anything that's keeping them from knowing or understanding the truth in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. I command it to go. Remove any scales from their eyes. Anyone that doesn't know your great love for them, Lord, I pray you touch them. May your peace and presence just flood their lives as you protect them the rest of this week. Give them boldness to come before you. Continue to use me just as a vessel that only the words you want me to say come through my mouth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys and I will see you next week.